like to share a devotional before Pastor Paul comes. A devotional that God used uh, in my life, and I shared it in staff meeting. Would you uh, listen along as I read? Uh, don't let the old English kind of throw you off, but um, listen to, to um, th- these words. Though saved, I am daily beset by a sinful flesh that always craves those things that are contrary to the Spirit. These fleshly lusts are vicious enemies, constantly waging war against the good of my soul. Yet they promise me fullness, and their promises are so deliciously sweet that I am often find myself giving in to them as if they were friends that have my best interests at heart. On the most basic of levels, I desire fullness. And fleshly lusts seduce me by attaching themselves to this basic desire. They exploit the empty spaces in me. And they promise that fullness will be mine if I give in to their demands. When my soul sits empty and is aching for something to fill it, such deceptive promises are extremely difficult to resist. Consequently, the key to mortifying these fleshly lusts is to eliminate the emptiness within me and replace it with fullness. And I accomplish this by feasting on the gospel. Indeed, it is in the gospel that I experience a God who glorifies himself by filling me with his fullness. He is the one, Paul says, who fills all in all. He is the one who fills all things with the gifts he gives. And he lavishes the gospel blessings upon me with the goal that I be filled up to all the fullness of God. This is the, the God of the gospel, a God who satisfies with nothing less than my experience of fullness in him. The first command God spoke in the garden was eat freely. And with similar insistence, he says to me now, be filled. What happens to my appetites for sin when I am filled with the fullness of God in Christ? Jesus provides this answer. He who continually comes to me will never hunger or thirst again. Indeed, as I perpetually feast on Christ and all of his blessings found in the gospel, I find that my hunger for sin diminishes and the lies of lust simply lose their appeal. Hence, to the degree that I am full, I am free. Eyes do not rove, nor do fleshly lusts rule when the heart is fat with the love of Jesus. Preaching the gospel to myself each day keeps me before the startling advocacy of God for my fullness. And it also serves as a means by which I feast anew on the fullness of the provision that God has given me in Christ. Eating freely of such provision keeps me occupied with God's blessings and also leaves me with a profoundly enjoyable sense of satisfaction in Jesus. And nothing so mortifies fleshly lusts like satisfaction in him. Freedom from emptiness. And this was just a great reminder, as Jamie shared this with us, of what it means to be full and to have that fullness replace, heal your sense of emptiness. In 1986, there was a movie that hit theaters that was called The Mission. How many of you saw The Mission? There's the older generation in the church, just so you know. 
<clears throat> including me. It was an incredible picture that starred Robert De Niro and Jeremy Irons and Liam Neeson. It was set in the 1740s, and it was about a Spanish missionary played by Jeremy Irons who, who went to Argentina and Paraguay to a particular people group to spread the gospel there. And it was a very violent people group. It was a, it was a rough tribe, and the movie opens with this, this scene of a cross, a large wooden cross being set into a river, and tied to that cross was a missionary. And the missionary was sent on this cross out into the river and drifted over a massive waterfall to his death. The story goes on and it's about a Robert De Niro's character who plays a mercenary and a slaver and his impact on this area, on this people group. And here in this area where Jeremy Irons' character is a missionary trying to reach this people group, Robert De Niro's character is the antagonist, and he comes in to, to take slaves by force and to overthrow the people in this area. And you follow De Niro's character and his personal world and how his world just collapses in this movie. And De Niro's life is crushed, and it's, it's changed. His character becomes humbled and wants to change his ways. And he goes looking to, to right the wrongs that he's done. And he's given this particular penance, this thing that he's going to do to right his wrongs. And what he does is he takes all of his armor, his sword, his weaponry from when he was a mercenary and a slaver, and he bundles it up in this big net, this big rope net, and he ties a long rope to it and ties that rope to his waist and sometimes over his shoulder, and he makes his way back up into the jungle to go to this village to seek repentance in this village. And he drags this enormous burden with him, crossing streams, going up mountains. And there's this one scene where he's climbing up a mountain, and Jeremy Irons' character and Liam Neeson's character are there. They're the, these Jesuit missionaries, and they're with him. And De Niro's character is struggling and he gets partway up this, this hill and he's really, really struggling. The net gets hung up on something and he has to, he's fighting to get it loose. And he's just at the end of his strength. And Liam's, Liam Neeson's character jumps in with his knife and he cuts the rope and pushes it back down the hill. And De Niro's character goes right back down to the bottom of the hill and he grabs the, the rope and he ties it back together. And he hauls it back up that hill. And, and there's this unbelievable scene where he arrives in the village where this, this tribal group is. Knowing full well that he had been persecuting this group. That he had stolen people as slaves from there. That he had killed people from this tribe. Knowing full well what he was in for. And he comes up this cliff and he gets to the top of the cliff where this village is. And he's dragging this huge net behind him. And he comes up there to face the villagers. And the chief is there. And he's got his warriors with him. And they recognize him. And the chief sends one of his soldiers over to, one of his warriors over to De Niro's character who's down on his knees. And his soldier grabs De Niro's character by the head and puts a knife to his throat and he's ready to kill him. And De Niro's character is just accepting whatever is going to happen at this point. He's repenting of what he's done. And he's willing to take the, the punishment for this. And in this tense moment then, the chief changes his tone and says something in their language to the man who's got the knife. And instead of slitting his throat, he steps behind De Niro's character and cuts the rope and releases his load off of a cliff. 
And there De Niro's character sits on his knees, and that's this picture in the bottom right, weeping uncontrollably over the release that's been given to him and how he has been set free from his past. It's a terribly dramatic scene. Um, One of the reasons why I didn't show it to you, among others, is because I wouldn't be able to preach after it. I would just stand up here and cry and then tell you to go home and we'd all be good. And that might have been more powerful than what I have to say, but we're going to go ahead with it anyway. This morning, I want to talk about freedom from your past. How we can be set free from the burden of our past. How we can be set free from the baggage that we haul around with us from our past. Because it's real. For most, if not all of us. We carry baggage with us from our past. We're going to look at past hurts. We're going to look at things that have been done to us. We're going to look at past mistakes. Things that we have done. We're going to look at past experiences and environments. Things that have shaped us. That form of our past that we carry with us. And then we're going to share communion together and look at what God has done regarding our past. So the first thing that I want to look at together is this freedom from past hurts. Have you ever been hurt by someone? Pretty common experience. I've been hurt. You've been hurt. We've been cut down. We've been slandered. We've been abandoned, even abused, some of us. We carry with us the baggage of physical hurt, spiritual hurt, emotional hurt, intellectual hurt. All of these things leave a mark. They do damage. What hurt are you carrying with you today? And this is intended to be personal, so don't sit back and and study or listen to what's being said this morning. Enter in. Put this into your life's context because God wants to speak into the hurt from your past, into the ways that you've been hurt and the pain that you are carrying around with you this morning. So don't just stay on the outside of this and observe. Enter into this. Hurts create chains in our lives. The chains come when we hang on to these hurts. We hang on to these hurts when we struggle to forgive. We hang on to these hurts through bitterness and through unforgiveness. To forgive someone means that we pardon them. It means that we give up our need for justice or revenge. We release them in the sense that we release the power of what they've done to us. What is forgiveness? There's a a list I want to read you here, a definition. This is from a book called Helping Others Find Freedom in Christ by a guy named Neil Anderson. He's written a lot of stuff about being free from different kinds of bondage, and, and he's a very, very good writer. This is how he defines forgiveness, and it's not one line, because it's not that easy. This is how he defines forgiveness. First of all, he says, forgiving is not forgetting That doesn't just happen. If you forget what's happened to you, then suddenly you've forgiven them. That's not how this happens. God never calls us to just forget what's happened to us. Forgiveness is letting go of resentment. He makes this 
great statement. He says you don't heal in order to forgive. You forgive in order to heal. Forgiveness is not seeking revenge. Forgiveness is letting other people off the hook. And don't get mad at me yet. Knowing that they are still on God's hook. Forgiveness is something that you do for your sake. It's between yourself and God. Forgiveness is God's way of stopping the cycle of abuse. Forgiveness is agreeing to live with the consequences of another's sin. You pay the price for the evil that you forgive. And we're going to talk about this more when we get to communion later in the service. Forgiveness allows God to touch your emotional core. You acknowledge the hurt and the hate in order to forgive from the heart. Forgiveness is a crisis of the will. It is a choice that is only possible by the grace of God. Forgiveness sets the captive free. What is to be gained by forgiving is freedom from the abuse and the abuser. And this morning, maybe you need to take a step of forgiveness. This is how freedom from our past hurts is experienced. It's through forgiveness. We have to forgive. We have to replace our bitterness with forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32 says this. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And if we can see this statement, this verse, as more than a command, we just might experience something amazing in our lives. Behind the command, God has given us a blessing. Forgive, yes, but forgive and be free. Who do you need to forgive this morning? Enter into this, like I said. Don't stay in the place of prisoner to this anymore. Release the chains. You can be free, brothers and sisters. Who do you need to forgive? Get their face in your mind if you haven't already. Who is that person who hurt you? Maybe it's yourself that you're thinking of. We'll address the need to forgive ourselves in a few minutes. Do you think it's God? Are you having a hard time forgiving God for something? Do you feel like you need to forgive him for something that's happened to you? Well, let's address that one right away. Has God let you down in some way? Did he not answer your prayer like you thought he should? Did he fail to rescue you? Did he fail to bless you? Paul made a statement in 2 Corinthians 10.5 about destroying opinions raised against the knowledge of God. And I want to do that with you right now. Are you feeling like you need to forgive God for what he's done? Release him this morning from your false expectations of him. He is not your vending machine. He is not your genie in a bottle. He does not exist to grant your wishes and to support your will, your plans, your desires. Maybe your pain comes from something you've done. Maybe it's the church or someone else that needs to be forgiven, but it's not God. God never needs to be forgiven. 
Don't put the blame for your past hurts on him. Your loving father is there to release you from the power of that pain, but he does not need to be forgiven as if he's done something wrong to you. Forgive those who have hurt you. Do it now. Don't wait. As I've worked with people through the the pain of something that's been done to them in the past, I've heard this statement more often than I should have. Um, I'm, I'm just not ready to forgive yet. I don't think I'm ready to forgive just yet. If that's you, ask yourself this question instead. Am I ready to heal? Forgiveness leads to healing. It's not the other way around. Forgive those who have hurt you. Forgive so that reconciliation can take place where it's possible. Forgiveness must precede reconciliation. To forgive that person, go to God first. And remember that your freedom does not depend on the other person's repentance. Forgive those who have hurt you. God's grace is sufficient for you. Forgiveness is hard. Face the hurt. Face the memories. Agree to live with the consequences of someone else's sin. Let God deal with the offender in his way and in his time. Forgive those who have hurt you. Understand that their hurt has usually done more than just make you angry or sad. It has often challenged your identity, your values, your vision for your life. Their hurt may have created lies about you. Stand on the truth about who you are, about who God says that you are. You are not Rejected. You are not abandoned. You are not a failure. You are not dirty. You are not garbage. You are a new creation, a child of the king, adopted and chosen, beloved by God. Forgive and find freedom. This truth applies to the second aspect of freedom from our past that I want to look at with you. This has to do with freedom from past mistakes. I have a strange memory that haunts me. Back in the days when I was playing soccer, not coaching little kids as they played soccer. Um, This goes back over 25 years ago. This was part of who I was. I grew up playing soccer. I played as a little kid. I played in middle school. I played in high school. I played in college. And when college was done and I wasn't playing soccer anymore, I, I looked for another opportunity and I joined a a men's team in Vancouver and played in a league where it was, it was made up of, of a whole bunch of men who really wanted to be professional soccer players and fell short. And so we played together and pretended that we were professional soccer players. <clears throat> and I was a goalkeeper. And, and in this one game, the other team got a, a penalty kick just outside of our 18-yard box. And so it was about, about 25 yards away. And um, they were setting up for it. And as a goalkeeper, it's my responsibility to set up a wall. And if you don't know soccer very well, a wall is made up of guys who stand next to each other like this. (laughs) And they're going to stand there and, if need be, get hit in the face or somewhere else with a soccer ball that's kicked really hard. And so I set them up standing next to each other and, and I would go over to this one spot on this, near, near this post over here and I'd tell them, move over a little bit this way, move over a little bit that way, get closer together, bring another guy in the wall, whatever, so that they would block this much of the net and way over here next to this post, that was my responsibility, this little area right here. 
And if the ball got shot into this area, I would stop it. I'm busy setting up the net, and I missed the fact that the referee whistled the play in. And I'm in the wrong position, out of position. I'm behind the wall. The guy taking the shot from the other team puts it in this corner over here, and they won the game on that goal. Folks, that was over 25 years ago in an insignificant has-been men's soccer game. It's really silly, but I relive this stupid memory over and over and over because I blew it. I made a mistake, and I can't let the stupid mistake go. And I would share with you one of my more personal mistakes, but Once again, we'd quit at that point and someone would say, we need to pray for the pastor and that's how we'd end the service. (laughs) I have made relational mistakes, far too many of them. There are things that I should not have done or said that I regret and I can't forget. There's people that I've hurt. There's people that I've let down. There's jobs that I've blown. There are times when I have not stepped up. There are opportunities that I have missed. There are spiritual mistakes that I have made, including denying knowing Jesus Christ. Just having to live with the statement from an old high school friend who, looking back on our high school days after it had been years, and I all of a sudden encountered her, listening to her say, I didn't know you were a Christian. So if you can relate to me at all in this, I want you to listen with me to these words. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Many times I've shared something that I've struggled to let go of and I've been met with a certain common response. Many times I've, I've taken a class or I've been part of a study that addressed this grip that our past has on us and I've been met with the same response. You need to forgive yourself. Ever heard that? So if everyone thinks this is the answer to freedom from my past mistakes, why isn't this working for me? Studying for this message has given me some overdue clarity in this. What I've struggled with is this. I cannot accomplish forgiveness for myself. I can't. If I've made a mistake, then I'm the one who needs to be forgiven. And I've struggled with a picture where I need forgiveness from God and from myself. I cannot complete the work of forgiveness for the mistakes that I have made. Even if I were to haul a net filled with armor up the side of a cliff, I can't accomplish it. Forgiveness for me. 
Two things are at play here for me, and I want to share them with you. It's been a good week of learning for me. There are two things that I need to learn to do well, and if you want to lump these together and tell me that I'm really just describing what it means to forgive myself, just go right ahead. But these two things mean freedom for me. The first thing that I need to learn to do well is a negative action. I need to stop condemning myself. Romans 8.1 says that there is now no condemnation for me. I am in Christ Jesus. I was hidden there when I fully surrendered my life to him and died to myself. And so in accordance with the word of God, I am not condemned. You are not condemned. No lying to myself about who I am. No beating myself up when I'm the only one actually condemning myself besides Satan. And his condemnation has to mean nothing to me. I've got to agree with the Apostle Paul and with God. There is now no condemnation for me. As long as I have confessed my mistake and sought God's forgiveness. I am not condemned. And I have to stop beating myself up. When I do, I stand in direct disagreement with God. And so those of you who can relate to me in this, stop beating yourself up. There is now no condemnation for you in Christ Jesus. Second thing that I need to learn to do well is this. Receive God's forgiveness. Receive his forgiveness. Listen to what he says about his forgiveness. This is Ephesians 1 verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Then there's 1 John 1, 9, where John writes, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Don't let your pride or false sense of independence keep you from receiving what you and I desperately need. We need to receive the forgiveness that God offers us. Have you made some past mistakes that you're having a hard time breaking free from? Too much baggage? Cut the rope. Stop beating yourself up. Receive God's forgiveness. And live free. Third aspect is this. Freedom from past experiences and environments. Think about all the factors that are involved in shaping us into the people that we are today. Your family of origin obviously plays a part. You were influenced by the way in which you were raised, by the relational dynamics among the people in your home, by the religious climate of your home, by your economic status, by how discipline was carried out, how your parents' work situation, whether you had a working mom or a stay-at-home mom, what, what your financial security was at home. You were influenced by your cultural setting. Scandinavian Midwesterner. You're influenced by your church environment, and the list goes on and on and on. Besides your environment, your experiences also shaped you. Things like your parents getting divorced, a major illness, tragedies, a loss of employment, a friend dying, a move from one place to another, all these things affected you. Many experiences in life can shape who we are and 
how we view the world. A lot about our environment can also shape who we are and how we view the world. Together, those experiences and environments can become a significant weight that we carry with us. And they sometimes become a weight that we cannot get rid of. Far too often our past can create a rigid box that we live in for the rest of our lives, often never realizing that we're trapped. God desires freedom for us in this way as well. In John 3, we see the story of a man who could easily have been entrapped in his box like many of those around him. His name was Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee, a ruler of the Jews. Listen to the words that Jesus shared with him that provided Nicodemus a way to break free of his cultural and ethnic chains. This is John 3, verse 3. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus told Nicodemus that in order to be free, he needed to be born again. He needed a restart. And I believe Jesus wants us to take this very seriously We need to explore a little better, a little more, what it means to be born again. In physical terms, it obviously brings a very vivid picture to mind. If we were to be born again, we would go back to a place of total dependency on the one who gave us life. We would not be able to support ourselves. Our survival would rest entirely on the one caring for us. Like newborn babies, we would be constantly shaped by our environment, by the ones influencing and caring for us. We would soak up everything around us like a sponge. This is a fantastic picture of what it means to be reborn spiritually. When we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, we go back to the start We are now in a place of being reshaped. We have a new family. We have new influences in our lives. We are now part of a family that has its own characteristics and dynamics. We're presented with a model, Jesus Christ, that should directly impact our personal character. We have a new way of looking at ourselves. We have a new way of looking at others. We have a new way of viewing this world. We have a new family mission. We have a new father. Having been adopted into this new family, we are now invited by God to be transformed into the likeness of one who has been in that family from the start, our brother Jesus Christ. We're invited to let the old be replaced by the new. This is what Paul wrote to the church in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 20 to 24. Just listen to these verses. Paul writes, But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, Created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. We're new. We're new. We have a new family and a new set of influences. Like babies, God's inviting us to adapt to our new environment. He's putting new experiences in our path. We have a new origin. We are children of an eternal father now. So this is very hopeful when it comes to our past. 
all that we've gone through, all that we've been told, all the pressure that may have been put on us to conform, all that's happened to shape our view of life in this world no longer has a grip on us. We don't have to be that person. Let me give you one word that can help you overcome your past. The word is learn. Learn. Learn everything you can about your new family, the one that you've been adopted into. Learn everything you can about your new father. He'll be your father forever. Learn everything you can about the dynamics of your new family. Learn everything you can about the mission of your new family. Learn everything you can about what it means to be a member of this new family. But don't just learn. Live. Live out all that you're learning. Be more than a student of your new family. Be a member of your new family. Live the way a member of this family is to live. Give yourself fully to being a part of this new family that you're now a part of, that you've been adopted into. And watch with thanksgiving as the power that your past had on you diminishes because you are a new creation. You're a new creation. Therefore, Paul writes, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We can experience freedom from our past, freedom from past hurts, freedom from past mistakes, and freedom from past experiences and environments. We can be free. God wants us to be free. And he's done everything necessary to give us that freedom. It's a key phrase in most of the verses that we looked at this morning. The phrase is, in Christ. In Christ. Our forgiveness, our forgiveness is found in Christ. The grace that we need to forgive others is found in Christ. The truth about ourselves is found in In Christ, our new family is found in Christ. Freedom from our past is found in Christ. That freedom was purchased for us by Christ on the cross. In the garden before his crucifixion, Jesus grieved having to go through that experience that was ahead of him. He asked his father to relieve him of that burden. But not only did he obediently carry out his mission, Jesus even maintained his loving demonstration of grace when he spoke forgiveness from the cross. Yes, even from the cross where he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We're going to share communion together now. And we got a lot to reflect on as we do. Jesus paid the price for our sins. We are forgiven. And in that forgiveness, we're being asked to forgive others. We're being asked to identify with Jesus in that forgiveness. As he forgave us, so are we to forgive each other. The body and blood of Jesus Christ brought us our forgiveness. It purchased that for us. He's calling us to receive that forgiveness for ourselves. We've been forgiven. So we can stop beating ourselves up and receive that forgiveness. The 
crucifixion and death of Jesus Christ paid the price for our sins, we and the penalty that we deserve to receive have died with him on the cross. And now we live raised with him into a new life, free of the chains of our past. Church, claim that forgiveness today. Embrace God's acceptance of you because of the work of Jesus Christ. Live a new life with a new allegiance to your new family and your new kingdom. Renew that allegiance today. Chapel Hill, your chains have been broken. Your chains have been broken. You and I are no longer slaves to our past hurts, our past mistakes, or to our past experiences and environments. God has set us free through Jesus Christ. Amen? I'm going to invite the elders to come now and prepare to serve communion. I want to remind you that we do have a prayer ministry, people that are ready and willing to pray with you after the church service. And if you need somebody to pray with you today, then take advantage of that just outside these doors to the left. If you need someone to just sit there and and pray with you that God will help you forgive and, and release and let go, that God will help you to stop beating yourself up, that God will help you to embrace your new family and move on from your past That's there for you. But let's pray together right now as we come to communion. Just close your eyes right now and come before God. You know, based on the things that you've heard this morning, that there, there are steps that you can take right now. Maybe you know exactly what that one step is right now. Maybe you know who it is that you need to forgive. I would encourage you to go before God right now and forgive that person as you stand face to face with God. Release your need for justice or vengeance and hand that over to God. Tell God you want to be free. Maybe your one step today is just declaring before God in this quiet moment, God, I, I, will, I will stop beating myself up because I know that there is now no condemnation for me. And it's just saying, God, I know you're not condemning me. Help me to stop condemning myself. Help me to resist the words of the enemy who's trying to condemn me. Declare to God that there is no condemnation for you. Maybe your one step this morning is to declare before God, God, I am not a product of my family. I am not a product of my environment. I am not a product of this experience or that experience that I went through in my past. God, I am a product of your family, your kingdom. I am your child and you are my father. What do you need to do today? 
Do it right now. You talk to him right now. Don't let this carry on. Don't drag this weight around with you. Get rid of it. God has set you free. Declare your freedom today. The body and blood of Jesus Christ has covered you. You are forgiven. You're new. Father, I come before you this morning on behalf of this church, on behalf of the individuals sitting in this room today who are are struggling with their past, with something that they're dragging along with them, that's holding them back from experiencing fullness in you. God, by your grace, will you just release them today in Jesus' name. Take that burden away from them. God, I pray for us as a church that we would individually and corporately fully embrace our new identity, our new family, our new kingdom, our new mission, our new values new identity in Christ. God, thank you this morning for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for his obedience. Thank you for his love and compassion. For how he was willing to take the punishment on himself. Thank you that he took our punishment on himself. Thank you that I am free and forgiven because of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Father, do in us what needs to be done. As we come to the table today to remember Jesus Christ, Help us to come in remembrance of the one who set us free through his body and blood, through his death on the cross, so that we could have new life, a life free from our past. Thank you for causing us to be born again. Teach us, guide us. God, we love you and we thank you for what you've done for us. We come now to remember what you've done for us. With a new sense of freedom. Because we are in Christ. And it is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.